to finish. Do you know that what was the result? Three nil. Three nil. Do you know what this mean? Three nil. But also mean three premierships and I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, respect. Hello, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Nutmeg Arena podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. Um, now, today is a special episode dedicated to the special one. Yes, you guessed, you guessed it right, Jose Mourinho. Well, we had this thought um, going on amongst ourselves at the Nutmeg Assist as to why not do a podcast on famous players and managers um, dedicating uh, it to their birthdays and their careers. Um, and who else to start the birthday series podcast special uh, than the one and only special one, Jose Mourinho. It is his birthday on the 26th of January, and we wish him a very happy birthday and all the best in his future career. Today, I have with me Chris, who was part of the Premier League Review podcast last week, and I have Prashant, who is one of our own, and is also the host of the podcast called Football Bloody Hell. Make sure you check out his podcast as well. We'll leave the link in the description of our podcast when we publish it. All right. Uh, I guess that's enough of an intro. Um, shall we get on to the business, you guys? What say? Yes, hello, both of you. How are you? Good, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Very well. Thank you very much. Hello, Shankar and Chris. How are you guys? How are you doing? Great, man, Prashant. Great, great, great. <laughs> and your podcast is going on well as well. Um, the football yeah. bloody health. Yeah, thanks for the kind words, man. Yeah, I'm, we're trying good. So let's see where it goes. <laughs> All right. Okay. So um, now, oh, Jose Mourinho. Um, he started off a bit of an intro introduction for our listeners out there who's not, if not. Uh, you're not, if, you, if you're not familiar with the name um, Jose Mourinho, um, I'll just give a small introduction. Um, started off, he started off as an interpreter for Sir Bobby at Sporting and Porto. Both, the, both are from the Portuguese league. Uh, before he became the number two at Barcelona under Robson, as well as his successor, Louis Van Gaal. Uh, then he went on to Porto, where he won stuff. He won the UEFA Cup in his first year and the League and Cup double. From where he went on to win the Champions League the following year. Then there were stints with Chelsea, Real Madrid, Inter Milan, um, and most recently Manchester United in a career that has spanned 18 or more than 18 years, I should say, Jose Mourinho has won 25 major honours, and add to that all the individual honours that he's won. I guess there is no denying the fact that he's been one of the um, 
best managers out there of all time, if not the greatest. Um, so I'd like to put this out to you guys now. Um, when did you hear of the name Jose Mourinho or Jose Mourinho? And um, when did you start to follow him as a manager person? Let's start with Chris on this one. Uh, well, people in the UK became aware of his name uh, because of Bobby Robson. Obviously, Bobby Robson moved, uh, started managing in Europe after the 1990 World Cup. His popularity was very high after that uh, specific tournament. So people started to become aware just of his coaching staff and his interpreters and people that were assisting him while he was abroad. So the name popped up uh, a bit in the United Kingdom whilst uh, Bobby Robson was managing Barcelona, Porto, uh, etc. Uh, I mean, I-, I followed Barcelona a lot when I was younger, so I was familiar with um, being Louis van Gaal's assistant at, uh, at Barcelona as well. But as a manager, uh, I started following him more, uh, more from the UEFA Cup final when Porto beat uh, Porto beat Celtic I think was it 2003 it might even have been 2002 I'm not sure what uh, specific year it, it was yeah. more f- from that final onwards and then of course he went on to win the Champions League the season after didn't he? and that's when his uh, popularity uh, grew a lot more Alright so that was in the UK isn't it and what about you uh, Prashant well uh I I started watching football around 2006-7 season. I was like 11-12 years old then. And then I started following United and then there was Mourinho as a Chelsea manager. So as a 12-year-old, I didn't know much about him. I knew he was a Chelsea manager. Then when I started following football, like when I started following United on a daily basis, weekly basis, he already had left England, right? So I remember him, Jose Mourinho, my first memory of him watching a match of Jose Mourinho against my team in, was Inter Milan against United at, was it 2008-9 season, I guess, in the round of 16, if I'm not wrong, where we bet his Inter Milan team at Old Trafford, Ronaldo's goal. And then my fondest memory of him, was, of course, was you know, uh, the Inter Milan treble and the Real Madrid success days. What were Those were days like when I really fell in love with him. And I always, inside me, I don't know, wanted to him to come to United or something like that. And when he came and all those stuff happened. and that, So, yeah. So, that was the story of me and Jose Mourinho. All right. Let me now let me share my view. Um, well, like you said, Chris, um, I, w- I did know about him before because my dad was there in the UK um, during 96, 97, I guess. So, um there were a little bit of talks about this new guy coming through and all those things. So, um, um, and then later on, when he came back from the UK, I had this video CD of um, where he, where there were a lot of footballing stuff and, you know, all, the, all those footballing highlights kind of video um, that he bought for me. So that's yeah. how I, a football fan, first of all, that was in 96, when I was eight years old. And then from there, 
I, when I started following, because in India, the football actually started uh, being broadcasted, I think, in early 2000, I think 2000, 2001, something like that. So, um, and then once I started watching it on TV, um, I saw this match, uh, uh, the UEFA final, uh, the Champions League final that Porto played in, uh, was it 2003? Yeah, I think it was 2003. Four. Was it three or four? The when three-four Porto- season. Yeah, the Champions League was 2004, wasn't it? When he yeah, the three-four yeah. season, yeah. He won yeah. it in 2004, yeah. So yeah. Um, that's when I started to know that there is this guy. Um, and well, he was not a joke. I mean, I knew that name. I've heard that name before. But to go on and win the Champions League where you are competing against um, the top clubs in Europe, and that too with a team like Porto. I'm no disrespect to Porto, but um, when you have teams like Real Madrid at the time, even even you could even say uh, Milan, AC Milan, all the other teams like Barcelona, Manchester United, Arsenal, Bayern, UA. Um, you, you can name all the all the top teams. Um, yeah, they were out. So um, to do it with a team like Porto, uh, I thought this guy's got some talent. But it's, and I, to be honest, I didn't think that he would uh, be as successful as as he's been after that. But he actually proved me wrong because he, wherever he's gone, he's actually won something. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) he's never (laughs) gone down. The, the, he, the, Curve has always gone up. I don't. I. I don't think he's gone down any time. Yeah, he's been consistent. Wherever he's gone. Yeah, Shankar, I agree with you, and I think a big, big part of that has a big, big part of that thing is because I think because of his uh, attitude, like uh, in Barca when Barca didn't want him to get promoted as Van Gaal's successor after because they thought he was just a translator, and then he fell out with them and went to. Uh, went, I think we went to back to Portugal as an unemployed guy, then was hired as a Benfica manager, failed, and then came to came to Porto. So it was Benfica's loss and Porto's gain. And then that attitude, that uh, that mental attitude where he doesn't give up, even if he's failed or something, and then he goes back and starts all over again. I think that's, that has played a big part in his rise for the last two decades. For me, yeah. he, he, he's very much a, he was a coach that was... He, he was very much ahead of his time. Uh, he was doing things. He was doing things at the beginning, at the turn of the century. Uh, I mean, at Porto, and he managed Benfica for a little bit as well. Uh, he was doing things then in terms of planning and uh, preparation, uh, tactically, mm-hmm. that people are only really starting to do now. It was sort of. It, it, he, he was he was a head coach of very uh, in terms of analysing the opposition opposition attention to detail, uh, tr- organizing training sessions. Uh, I remember the Chelsea players being amazed. Uh, John John Terry quoting being amazed that when he turned up at the training ground first game of the season, uh, first day of preseason, everything the whole training session was laid out across the pitch, uh, and it, uh, there was an interview where he said. All the cones were laid up from one training uh, drill to to the other. There was no stopping. They went from one, they went from A to B to C to D, 
and every single training session had a ball involved, even though it was pre pre season. And he said uh, they'd never they'd never known anything like it. He said even though they'd had foreign coaches before him, for them to go from straight through the training session, I think he said the training session was only uh, an hour to an hour and a half. But he said he had the players' attention, he had the players' respect, and he said he, and the training sessions were enjoyable. Uh, and straight away he won over the Chelsea players within one one session. That so, at that so, time was sort of. Not really, not really known in the UK. Really, um, there'd only really been Arsene Wenger before him uh, as a foreign manager that had influenced the game so much over here. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, you mean? So, was there? Um, this is because I, I just for my knowledge, I, I don't know much about this. Um, so, did he bring that kind of? Um, what do you call the uh, diet side of things as well to the training ground? You know, um, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, he always took his he always took uh, his staff with him. He had specific staff that he took with him. He had uh, uh, Rui Ferrer, who actually turned out to be his assistant eventually, but he went over as his fitness coach. He had uh, Andres Villas Boas as his chief scout. Uh, and what struck me about Jose Mourinho early on in his career was just, just simple logic. It, like, so when when he went to Chelsea, he kept Steve Clark on as his assistant. It was not he's not a legend of Chelsea, but because Steve Clark loves Chelsea, that would have kept the fans on side and the players on stride on side straight away. The fact that this guy was bringing in his own staff, but he made one of the uh, Chelsea's own, so to speak, as a member of staff as well. Because uh, Steve Clark had stepped in at various points as caretaker manager and was always assistant, he kept him there. So he kept the players on side straight away. Yeah, yeah as so well as bringing in his own that, staff. Yeah. Yeah, so you can say that he was clever and yeah. tactical. Like he, he yeah. had his own stuff, but he made sure that what some of the club zone were also part of his plans. Yeah, well, you get. You, you you get some managers, not just foreign managers, British managers tend to do it as well, where they come in. David Moyes done it in Manchester United, and I think it was probably the the biggest mistake he made is that yeah. when he joined the club, when he joined the club, he got rid of all the staff that was familiar with the training ground, familiar with the staff, familiar with the players, and he brought in all his new all his own staff. And if you look at uh, what Jose Mourinho done with us. He brought in his own staff, but then he always kept one familiar face there at Chelsea. And with it, with it being his first job in the UK at the time, I think that was so important for him. Uh, because if it would have went wrong then, I don't think he'd be quite. I don't think it would have been. He would. He certainly wouldn't have had the profile that he's got today. And then it just went there, and then went on from there. And then the football, um, again with his attention to detail. Uh, the team that he built at Chelsea was just it was it was for me it was his strongest ever team throughout his career. That fit that them two years at Chelsea. Uh, I mean, he even he, Alex Ferguson admitted himself he, he even had to change his own p- preparation because of how strong Chelsea were. Mm. Yeah, man, and the, I think he was also supported by the players that were. Available at the time, like the players which he bought the 
the how should I say it is the current generation of players maybe would not have accepted his methods, but those generation of players really bought into this his style. Yeah, and they believed in him all all that he said and that uh, siege mentality kind of thing which he tries to bring at a club and a players at every club yeah. he goes to. Uh, that worked yeah. with Chelsea very well, and I think that worked with Inter Milan also very well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that uh, the one thing that I think one of the one of the famous quotes of Mourinho is that I am Jose Mourinho and I don't change. That really worked for him for the first ten twelve years of his career, and then sadly enough, in the last two three years, it hasn't. That's what I feel. Yeah, definitely. I th- again, I mean, I think there's been contributory factors into the the last two managerial jobs as to why they failed. Uh, I mean, we'll probably come to that point a little bit later on in the show. Yeah. But I just think uh, the Chelsea job in particular, I think, as well as bringing us, like uh, going back to what I mentioned, sorry, not not to repeat myself, but he, he had, he come, he come into the club, he brought his own staff, he kept he kept some of the, the the old staff there in terms of Steve Clark. I think I'm pretty sure Brendan Rogers was made youth coach at the time as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. and yeah, jo- he kept John Terry, he kept Frank Lampard, uh, he brought Ashley Cole. There was there was still a British core of players there um, that he brought in a bit a, a bit afterwards as well. I know Ashley Cole came. Uh, but as well, yeah, yeah. As well, what he done, what I thought was very clever, is that in his, uh, I think two of his first five signings were Paulo Ferreira at the right back and Ricardo Carvalho, the centre half that had won the Champions League with him and the UEFA Cup with him at Porto. So straight away they would have been familiar with his methods, uh, and he brought Thiago in as well, didn't he? So I know he, he brought players in that were spoke the same language as him. Uh, familiar with his methods, and I just think that continuity that he hit straight away at Chelsea, I think that propelled them. I think there was only ever going to be one league winner from from October onwards that season. Exactly, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah go ahead. Say something. No, go ahead, go ahead. I'll 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 add to that after. I'm just saying that yeah, I completely agree with him. The and the. Abramovich era had just begun, so Abramovich had no calls whatsoever in terms of money that Mourinho needed. And any player that Mourinho named, uh, that a Chelsea owner was ready to buy it for him. Yeah. And, and then when this happens, when there is a, uh, how do I, how should I say this? When there's when the board or when the owner and the Mourinho are on the same page, that's when magic happens. Because when what players Mourinho wants and what if the board delivers it to him, he will deliver you titles. Yeah. Yes, so yeah. putting those two into uh, account, um, first I'll, I'll just address what um, Chris just mentioned. Um, um, you, you just talked about him being clever, right, Chris? Um, so what he did was uh, he brought, he had his own methods. He kept the uh, English core uh, as a main, st- main part of the team and then brought in players that, is, that he has worked with and who knows his methods. Yeah. That was, well, that was actually clever. I mean, not all managers do that, you know. I mean, they just want players that they've already worked with, but they forget about that fact that um, 
I mean, this is not just in England. I mean, I mean, it's everywhere, and not just England, not just football. It's like everywhere. You want yeah. your core team to be part of what you're doing, right? You don't want the whole team to be new set of people, new faces everywhere. No, I think as well. The Roman Abramovich area started a season earlier, if if people remember. It's, yeah, it's the, 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 yeah, Ranieri season, right? Yeah, the the Ranieri season, yeah. And Chelsea went a bit mad that summer, and they brought and they bought. They just seemed to be buying anyone. They bought Varane, they bought Mutu, brought a lot of players who had high profiles, but weren't saying. Uh, I, I don't want to say they were unproven, but there was still sort of still question. It just seemed like it's. It, there seemed like there was no strategy in what they were buying. Now. I believe on the first game of that season, John Terry, both John Terry and Front Lampard were on the bench. Mm. So it, it was it was almost as if Ranieri didn't sort of he brought this. everyone it, yeah he brought everyone in, uh, but he weren't loyal to any of the players that were already there or who knew the club. Where Jose Mourinho got the players that knew the club on his mm. side straight away. He he got the big influencers within the dressing room on his side. Um, that is and very, that's... very, very good. And uh, to add to Chris's point, Ashanka, there is one thing people forget. I think Jose Mourinho, if I'm not wrong, dropped Kudicini, who was named the player of the year just before in the very first game of the season to play Peter Czech. I think that was a very brave decision because Czech, I think, was very young then, 20, 22 year old guy. Yeah. And to uh, well, that's... show faith. Yeah, you, you, you look at these managers, these top class managers. Um... Um, Jose Mourinho, you look at the old Arsenal Wenger when he came on, Ferguson, um, uh, you look at Guardiola uh, or you look at Klopp these days. Um, they're, not, they're not afraid of uh, keeping, even if it's a star player on the bench, you know. They want the player to be, I mean, uh, if, if the player respects the manager and the system and what's around the whole club, then and delivers obviously. Then the manager puts him in the squad. Otherwise, it's like they have to take that call. And in Jose Jose Mourinho's case, I think, uh, like you said, uh, putting Pete, uh, benching Codicini for Peter Cech was one big decision that he made because Peter Cech eventually turned out to be a club legend at Chelsea and and one of the best goalkeepers of the Premier League, if not. Of uh, football, you know, yeah, that was a very brave decision from Mourinho. Yeah, and uh, just going back, uh, what I liked about Jose Mourinho, especially, especially before the Man United one, and uh, again, I know we'll probably cover the point later on, but before, before he used to when he bought players, I know people will always say. Oh well, he's had money wherever he's gone. Well, every top manager throughout the history of football, Alex Ferguson, Brian Clough, but in this country, Pep Guardiola, they've always had money to spend. You can't be in charge of a top football club and not spend money. It's just what it is. And I know people will say, "Oh well, he's had a lot of money to spend." What I liked about him is when he spent the money, he didn't necessarily. You can tell it a Jose Mourinho signing and a signing for me that has not been made by Jose Mourinho and it's because of the profile of the player Jose Mourinho exactly. used to yeah, Jose Mourinho bars a player to do a job regardless of his profile 
it wouldn't matter if the whole world didn't know who he was. If he thought he could, bat, he thought the player could do the job that he needs him to do, he bought him. Like for example, when when uh, when he joined Chelsea, I mean, if you look at his first season at Chelsea, as opposed to the last summer when it started to sort of the, the crack started to show, and you look at the signings, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, in his first signing, his first signing, I mean, he brought Drogba in his first summer. Uh, again, he went. He went as high profile around the world. I know he played for Marseille. He had a decent. Uh, it, I think he had a decent run in there. UEFA Cup run the year before. He bought uh, Ricardo Carvalho and and uh, Pat. Yeah, he bought Essien as well, and he bought Thiago. Again, they weren't players at that time. Who were, again? I mean, they weren't really that high profile. Yeah, uh, I mean, you wouldn't have listed Paulo Freire as the best right back in Europe at that time. You wouldn't have listed Ricardo Carvalho as the best centre half. You probably would if you watched them play and realised how good they yeah. were. But they didn't. Have, they didn't have the profiles at that time as a sort of Walter Samuel or a, a, a Alessandro Nesta or Fabio Cannavaro. They, they, they weren't listed up there with those so-called high-quality players who had high profiles. Uh, but after that first season at Chelsea or the second season you would have listed Ricardo, Ricardo Cavallo as one of the best centre-halves in the world yeah uh, and that's what I liked about him and then, and then if you look at towards the end of the Chelsea break I mean I, 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 no one will ever know for definite but I would bet my last pound on Andrei Shevchenko not being a Jose Mourinho sign oh, Chris he was not I think people have admitted that I, I don't know if Marino has admitted it or not, or other players have not, but he was not like yeah. he was forced by Abramovich because he was a superstar, and then yeah, because Abramovich was a fan of him, he wanted him to play in his team, and he got in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can that first season. I don't believe Chelsea had a direct director of football, or or I think Frank Arneson was. Uh, I don't think that it was. Yeah, I know. I know Chelsea appointed they had Frank Arneson involved in some level, uh, and then he appointed Avram Grant, didn't he, as director of football? And then Jose Mourinho left shortly after that, uh, and they after bought that. players. Yeah, they bought players such as Balak, Shevchenko, uh, and I think it was uh, the French lad, the French winger, I believe, Florent Malouda, was it? Yeah, Malouda. Yeah. yeah. So again, uh, at that time, you sort of question. I, I, may, may, I don't know whether. Uh, Roman Abramovich was sort of pulling back on the money that had been spent previously. Who knows? But yeah, you you just didn't. Uh, you had to change the system to accommodate Shevchenko. That's why, and I believe that's where it went sort of slightly downhill. Correct. Yeah, that I, you read the report as well. That's when um, it says there was a rift between uh, Mourinho and Abramovich, and then that's when he started. He left the club. Yeah, and moved on. Yeah, but as long as things were going in his favor, Chris and Shankar, the first two seasons, they were magnificent, right? Like 95 points he won and 15 goals conceded and high number of goals scored. And yeah. And on the uh, people, most of the people, uh, like most of the neutrals today may not like him, but in those days, he was everyone's darling. Everyone used to love him, adore him, call him a genius, some, someone a Masiha for English football. Those were different times altogether. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do believe, I know the stats will always say that Champions League winners 
are the best t- team in Europe uh, because they won the Champions League. But that 2005 Liverpool team certainly wasn't the best team in Europe. They weren't even the best team in Liverpool that season because Everton finished above them. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to you, isn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, Chelsea, in that, 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 for those two seasons while Jose Mourinho in charge, for me, they were... They were probably the best, best around. I know. I know. There's an argument to say that Barcelona team by Frank Rijkaard with Ronaldinho uh, was an impressive team as well. But for me, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea would have beat anyone. Uh, Chris, he he did beat Barca right in his first season, round of sixteen. Yeah, I believe they was it the group stage, of the Champions League, or yeah, or yeah I, know. I don't remember. But he went on and beat Barca at. At Camp Nou itself, if I remember right. Yeah. They got. I know they got knocked. They got knocked out by Liverpool in two semi-finals, didn't they? Yeah. One on was... penalties and one on a, an away goal. And that was and the big debate was it a goal a ghost goal goals? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it would have been inter- goals, yeah. But interesting to have VAR back then, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of things would have changed. You know, the history would have been quite different. Yeah, but uh, you guys would have uh, you had if you had VAR back then, you probably would have uh, qualified for the semi-finals or the finals. Uh, remember for the World Cup, uh, Chris. Remember that Frank Lampard versus Germany. Oh, uh, in two thousand and ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I've, I actually remember uh, the two thousand and four. Uh, European Championships when Saul Campbell in uh, extra time against Portugal Saul Campbell got a goal oh, yeah. and that would have been the tournament I think England would have actually succeeded in that one. Oh uh, yes 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 because that, yep. was, that, that was that that was definitely a, a legitimate goal yeah we yeah. could have done a lot of things back then a lot <laughs> of history would have changed yeah yeah, coming back to Mourinho and Chelsea. Okay, Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. Okay, uh, from Chelsea, yes. Then he went on. He moved on, like we said. Um, there was this rift uh, between him and the owner Abramovich, and um, yeah, uh, he moved on. He moved on to Real Madrid. Um, he moved on to very... Inter Milan. He went. Yeah, he went to Inter Milan. Inter Milan. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Inter yeah. Milan. So. Um, even there, he won the treble. He won the Champions League, you know, uh, the, yeah. cup, the league, the cup, and the Champions League. And I remember that. I still remember that Champions League. He he beat Barcelona with ten men. So, yeah. um, so that was some achievement uh, by his side. You know, you look at any other side against that Barcelona team um, to defend and not concede. I think that was that was ridiculous. That was too good. <laughs> Shankar, yes, you said that. Uh, I think that team was probably the best football team of this century. If I'm not, I think both of you will agree that Guardiola team of 2009 till 11, I guess, those three, four years. Yeah. And to defend against that team at Camp Nou against 10 men for 70 odd minutes, that was unreal achievement. But what I think in Mourinho, in one of the recent press conferences, he has said people tend to forget that his team in the first leg defeated that Barca team 3-1. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they, they defeated them 3-1. Yes, and, and then they yeah. had 4 or 5. And then yeah. to do that to Barca team, thrash them one week, and then one week later, 
defend against defend with the backs on the wall i think marinho's team showed both characteristics grit and determination as well as the creativity which they needed in the first leg certainly yeah. certainly because people people tend to forget that uh, forget what all he's achieved you look at that chelsea we we actually spoke about this they scored uh, sorry they had 95 points they conceded 15 15 odd goals Yeah. They scored about how many goals did they score that season? I probably around 70 80 goals easily. And you look yeah. at the Milan side or the Real Madrid side. Especially I would like to mention the Real Madrid side because uh, that Real Madrid side he scored 100 plus goals in the 121 league. goals man. Yeah. And he had 100 plus points. So uh, you can't really say that he's like the manager who only defends defense defense grinds out a result can you because no. he was facing that Guardiola Barcelona team over there i think so i think the style of football is a victim of sort of generalization you know, i guess yeah yeah of growing trends at specific times every time if you look at football uh, a trend always develops and people always then uh, teams always tend to follow that trend so like if you look at now everything's very much about the high press everyone Pochino Klopp Gagan pressing high pressing getting high up the pitch but so Jose Mourinho's team has never really been, been about that never really been about the high press uh, again a couple of years it was all, it was all very much tick attacker uh, passing keeping the short plays well, again if you go back to when he started Chelsea everyone was copying his trend So he he, he very much he, he was very much of the 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 four three three players were all physically built they could all, they were all mobile and they were just overpower you in every department. Those players could defend, they could counter attack, they could keep the ball. I mean, his Chelsea team were unstoppable. They had everything, uh, and they yeah, just that, over, uh, just. I mean, it weren't necessarily. Uh, sort of short, quick passing, like the sort of Barcelona team, uh, uh, Guardiola's Barcelona team. It weren't necessarily sort of uh, like Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool team, where everything's fast paced and they get the ball back instantly like that. Uh, they were very much they would let you have the ball, but you wouldn't get through them. And then when they got the ball, if the opportunity was on, they did the, on the counter attack. It, they just, it was sort of just structured football from right back from the back to the front. They could go long, they could go short. So I think, I think he was very, I think his style of football is very much a, a victim of, of growing trends at specific, at specific points. He very much does what is needed at that time with whatever team he's in charge of to to get success. I mean, his style of play could. The, if you sat down and analysed it, you could probably say he's got a different style of play at every single club he's been at. I think that's a very valid point because we saw what he did with Real Madrid team because 121 goals, as I think Shankar has mentioned already, and 100 points. You can't just get that right, Chris, with just sitting back every yeah. game. Yeah, and, and, and let's not forget, he was up against Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team. Exactly, and... As I said before, that team from 2009-2012, that was, I think, the best team that this century has ever seen. And to beat him in the league with 100 points, 
uh, was some unreal achievement and then guardiola had to take a sabbatical after that i think he had to yeah. take a sabbatical after that yeah yeah he took a year off but uh, just going i mean just going back to the inter milan thing uh, there was a there was a period there was a bit, I, I don't know necessarily if it was a class as sabbatical but there was there was a period of time where he was unemployed between chelsea and inter milan i mean he took over inter milan in the summer of 2008 uh, and I know he left Chelsea at the beginning of the 2007-2008 oh, season. Yeah. I get you what you're going to say, Chris. Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this was... This period actually changed his personality because he actually had his heart set on the Barcelona job. Yes. Yes. And he actually... He actually went for the... He applied for the Barcelona job after Frank Lankard and it was very much a two-horse race between him and Pep Guardiola. As who as as to who got the job, and I know some of as some of the Barcelona board at the time were in favour of Jose Mourinho getting the job, uh, and he had an interview in he had an interview in Lisbon, I think it was, and he yeah. he, he, he actually took a USB stick and he actually done a big uh, a big sort of plan yeah, on his presentation on right. Yeah, a PowerPoint presentation on what he was going to do with the job, the players he needed, the system he was going to buy, where he went wrong on the front line card, which players that he wanted to ship out. It was, it was very much a, a job. I know he had, his, he wanted. I mean, very much before that, he, he actually loved the club. He actually loved Barcelona because of the amount of time he spent there, uh, and he, he took. He actually under Louis Van Gaal. Louis van Gaal used to let him take over the training sessions and actually let him manage uh, manage Barcelona in the Catalonia Cup, which was just a small uh, small trophy that uh, only the Catalonian teams took part in. I don't know if it was, I think it was pre-season. Uh, and when he didn't get that job, I do think, I, I mean, not, we'll never know, but I mean, it probably broke his heart that he, that he never got. Be, yeah. Yes. I think it was only. I think it might have even been the influence of Johan Cruyff that made them made them choose uh, Pep Guardiola. And obviously, thankfully for the neutral, and thankfully for Barcelona. I mean, obviously they made the right choice because uh, I don't think we. Uh, I don't think Lionel Messi would have been went on to become the player he would have under uh, under Jose Mourinho. I mean, he still would have been a very good player, but he, I think I don't think he would have reached the level he did under Pep Guardiola. So I mean that that period of time actually, I, I actually think it changed his personality slightly after that, mm. uh, and then obviously he took the Inter Milan job, which I, I mean was shot, which surprised me at the time uh, because Inter Milan, Inter Milan were already on top. They were uh, they were already on top, and that if you look, if you look through back through Italian football history. After the uh, after the betting scandal in two thousand and six, two thousand five, two thousand six, sort of that was probably the worst period. That was probably that was the pro- period in which Italian football was at, not only at its lowest, but it was at, at its weakest. Yeah, in terms of the other clubs, Inter Milan sort of I think won it five years on a bounce. I mean, they had absolutely no challenges whatsoever, or no no serious challenges. Uh, and he'd won it three years on the run, I think, under Roberto Mancini. So it did surprise me a lot when Jose Mourinho went there and took over what was already a winning team. But uh, yeah. but Chris, I think they bought him at Inter for that one elusive trophy that they hadn't yeah. won for 50 long years. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
and then he delivered it to them first his first season I, as i said he was knocked out by united uh, yeah. and then second season then he won everything that was in sight yeah and i think if you look back as well he done that again he, when he went to inter milan he made a, there was a guy called Giuseppe Baresi he mm-hmm. was the youth. He was their youth coach at the time. Uh, he's, he's a legend of the club. Uh, he was a fantastic defender for them. Uh, very, very uh, popular within the Inter Milan fans. And Jose Mourinho made them as assistant manager, as well as taking his own staff. And again, just going back to that thing that I mentioned before about Chelsea. It's, uh, it's, it's a genius. Because it gets the players on your side, it gets the fans on your side straight away before you've even kicked the ball. Straight away. Correct. That, Very smart man like indeed. It is like a stroke of genius, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, to get all the fans and all the players on your side, that's actually a masterclass, master, yeah. master stroke. Yeah. All right, moving on from, yeah, let's move on from Inter and Real Madrid now. All right, so after Real Madrid, um, he came back to Chelsea for a second stint, even though Abramovich was there. Um, he, won on, he went on to win the title again with Chelsea. Uh, but again, the third season, he, had, he, he was gone and he moved on to United. Very, again, he won stuff. The only thing that eluded him at United was the league title because usually he delivers the league title as well. But again, the third season, halfway through the third season, he's gone. So um, let's have a look at those two things. Um, did that three, three seasons, did he set a target of three seasons per club or uh, is there something that happens behind the scenes according to you guys? Um, where Jose Mourinho manages? Well, Shankar, uh, that's a very good question. I think uh, I think the perception has been set in the social media and the, uh, the broadcast media as well that there is a third season syndrome. Maybe there is, but it's not so much as they talk about it, in my opinion. There's so much stuff that goes behind the scenes that we don't know about. For example, I guess, uh, the 2006-07 season, his third season at Chelsea, as Chris has mentioned earlier, the number of signings that were made against his wishes, but he still delivered the League Cup as well as the FA Cup. Uh, so yeah. I think, I think that uh, he was not happy that the, he was being forced to play players that he didn't want to. I think no manager would be, and the character of Jose Mourinho, we know that he's he will not sit down. He will rather uh, move on, quit the job, and move on. Then the Inter Milan job, he never got to the third season. He left it after two years with a big success. Uh, the Real Madrid job, I think it was very... I was uh, surprised by that, that after getting 100 points and the players loving him, the third season fell off. But he was still there. He, got, he I think he lost in the final of the Copa del Rey and then lost in the Champions League semi-final again. And the, but the most important thing that he lost was, I think, the players. Casillas and other players who were he lost the dressing room itself. Then yeah. say about the third season at Chelsea, after winning the league, I think every manager after winning the league he wants to solidify his position. He wants to make more signings to make themselves more strong. Like being a United fan, I have seen Alex Ferguson sign more players after winning the league than signing players after not winning the league. So yeah. Uh, 
for example, after winning the Champions League in 2008, we had the best front three in Ronaldo, Tevez and Rooney in the entire world. And then also Sir Alex went and signed the best, uh, probably one of the best strikers in the Premier League, Berbatov. And that made us uh, retain the league for a third, re- third year running. In the Chelsea second season, after second season, he was not given the money he wanted. Like he wanted John Stones and some random guys like some other defenders were given to him. The signings he wanted didn't go ahead, didn't go according to the plan. And that's what I feel that maybe he could have adapted to this in a better way. But Mourinho being Mourinho didn't help himself and then fell out with the club and the players and he becomes grumpy and loses it, loses the complete mind and the effect is seen on the whole club. That's what I feel about this whole third season thing. Yeah, so, I think... Oh, go on, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, it's all right. Um, uh, just to add on to that, uh, Prashant and Chris, both of you, um, do you guys feel that uh, in the current era of, in the modern era of football, um, the players are given more power? than how it used to be previously because, you know, the, the amount of money the players are getting, um, it, it's almost as equal to the manager or even more, you know. So does that have an influence on players having a la- larger say in the dressing room than the manager? And is that a factor that could um, lead to a fallout in the dressing room between the manager and the players? I let Chris speak now. Listeners should not be bored with my stupid voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I again play. Uh, I, I think players have power from a contractual point of view, but in terms of uh, the power of an adjustment, I think football's always been the same. You've got you've got a squad of players, and I know the squad of players now is very much a twenty-two, twenty-five man squad as opposed to the olden days when it was maybe just 13, 14 players. But you've always got a squad of players with different personalities. That's all, always been the case. Now, man, managers managers themselves now, there's never just one manager. Now what Head coaches tend to bring three or four of their own members of staff in, like we've mentioned earlier on in the show. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, it's, very, it's very seldom that a manager will go into a club now and just, that'll be it. He'll just be on his own. He always brings... To, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola does it. Uh, I mean, I think he brings five or six members of staff with him everywhere he goes. So, surely between them and all the analysis they do, they should be able to tell the difference between, say, a, a, a player of, say, Eden Hazard's personality as a player to, opposed to John Terry's personality. Uh, and it's down to the managers themselves to judge that personality uh, I mean they can't have it both ways if you if, if they judge your personality get it right and then you get great team spirit from it we all we, we all we all sort of praise the manager saying he's a great man manager and uh, if they get it wrong then yeah of course there's going to be fallout for it uh, that's that's part of their attributes they've got to be able to judge that I feel a manager now if the dressing room's split or it's together, the manager gets praise for that. For like I said, being a good man manager. Now, if he feels that uh, that certain players uh, haven't got the personality, because I know, I know at Chelsea, very he said Kevin De Bruyne didn't have he didn't have the heart, did he? That, uh, I believe he was quoted as saying that's why they sold him. He didn't have the heart to play for Chelsea, so he sold him, which is fine. 
So Jose Mourinho, I think, has got very much his, his own idea on what type of personality that he wants for a club. And he gets rid of who he doesn't. Now, I know that has backfired in recent times. Uh, but I don't necessarily blame the players for different personalities. I think it's up to the manager to judge them personalities and have it, and, and treat those players differently to, to say, another player in the dressing room who has a different personality. I think they've, I think, I think they've got to adjust to that now. I completely agree with uh, Chris here, you know, Shankar, because I think I'll give you one example. Uh, remember when David Beckham was kicked out of the room, uh, kicked out of United after Sir Alex literally kicked the boot which hit his eye? <laughs> yeah. Remember that happening today with Mourinho and Pogba? People would be wanting Mourinho's head on the head on the lamppost. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Would be, in, in, let, let's take that example. Um, so, uh, you, the same thing happening as between Ferguson and uh, Beckham. Let's put Mourinho and Pogba in that in that same shoes and mm-hmm. same scenario. What? Who do you guys think will will be at fault um, in the eyes of the media and the people around the fans, everybody? That's probably the most rhetorical question I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think as well, you'd have to look at the way both managers would handle that situation. I mean, with Beckham, it was more, it happened in the dressing room. Ferguson decided, I believe, I think Gary Neville is as quoted as saying, the day after the publicity that surrounded it the next day made Alex Ferguson's mind up that David Beckham didn't belong at Manchester United anymore. Because uh, he, he uh, 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 probably hints at the point that we're making here that. I think Alex Ferguson believed that if he would have kicked the boot and it would have hit poor skulls on the eye, then the national uh, frenzy at the time wouldn't have been what it was. But because it was David Beckham, that's what he thought. That's when Alex Ferguson decided, no, this this can't be happening. This is not happening at my club. Uh, So again, uh, using Paul Bogba, it would have been very very much the same thing. But I doubt it. Again, Jose Mourinho is very sort of stubborn when it comes to. He, don't think he he plays the media as well as what uh, what Alex Ferguson did. Uh, he, he would fight fire with fire, <laughs> so to speak. And uh, yeah, it, it would have been the end of him either way. Yeah, the yeah, only reason. I... Yeah, yeah. The only reason I asked that uh, was because uh, to relate to my previous question. Is it that the players have too much power in today's media and, you know, in the eyes of the fans? So that was the only reason I asked. So you guys have answered it. Yeah, I think as well, I think certain players of a high profile have, it's not so much uh, have power with the fans, but they have power with the marketing of the club. That's, I think, a great point, right, Chris? Uh, for example, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I would just add that, for example, if he has a row with Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba being who has like 30 million followers on every social media platform, that yeah. would affect United more than if, uh, for example, Marino had a row with Luke Shaw or maybe Darmian. People wouldn't yeah. care that much. And it wouldn't affect yeah. United that much at all. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, sorry, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go back a little bit now because it's just a point I wanted to make on the free season syndrome of Jose Mourinho. My apologies for taking the point back. Uh, no, it's all right. 
<laughs> Go ahead. I actually think... I I actually feel sorry for him with this sort of free season stigma. Uh, just because if if you look at every single time he's left the club, it, again, I think, I think uh, you made the point yourself before uh, that it, there's always been a reason behind it. Yes, yeah. There's all there's always been a reason now. Whether it, I, I think some of those reasons have been of his own doing. Like for example, I think he left Chelsea at the time he did because Manchester United just retain retain the title. They're on the verge of a build on a great team with Rooney and Ronaldo, Tevez, etc. And Jose Mourinho thought, well, at the moment my stock can't get any higher in world football. If I stay here and Manchester United continue winning, then my stock will drop. And I thought he thought that was the perfect time to leave of his own accord. Similar to Inter Milan, I thought he looked at it and thought, I can't, I won't repeat this treble at this club. And now's a good chance to go uh, to Real Madrid, where they've just they they've not won for a season because I think Pep Guardiola had won the uh, won the the league in the European Cup uh, uh, just in two thousand and nine. And uh, Real Madrid hadn't, and then they and then they won the league again. And Real Madrid hadn't won the league since two thousand and two, I believe. Or... Seven, I guess. Or six. No, 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 not. It was two thousand, two thousand and two, or three, two thousand and three, I believe it was. The last yeah, time but won... the yeah. year before Valencia won it, yes. Yeah, uh, they beat they beat Leverkusen in the final. That was the last time they'd won it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hampton Park so again he, he likes going to jobs where they've not done certain things for a certain number of years the Chelsea job they hadn't won the league in 50 odd years the Inter Milan job they hadn't won the Champions League in a certain amount of time the Real Madrid job they hadn't won the Champions League in a certain amount of time uh, and again uh, the players turned against them against Real Madrid similar s- situation at Chelsea uh, the players t- I actually think at Chelsea he planned the whole pre-season wrong I believe he brought them back three weeks later than one, or two weeks later than everyone else. Yeah, and, and he kept it. Yeah, and you could tell with the way the team started that year that he just didn't get off. He just didn't get off. Uh, he just didn't get off the starting box very quick at all. And the, I think on the opening day itself, he had a row with Doctor Eva Langaria. Yeah, yeah, and that that was big one. But yeah. it was it started on a bad taste and it ended on a bad taste completely. And then talking about this, uh, being an United fan, even this preseason for us, he wanted a central defender. He was not given. He wanted a right winger. He was not given. And then he grew all grumpy in the preseason itself, as you said. Yeah. I, and every preseason on, we can every preseason we can see how the season is going to be. If he's happy, it's going to be a good one. If he's grumpy, it's going to be a horrible one. And he's going to get the sack. Yeah. And I, I, again, I, I think with the Manchester United one, uh, Manchester United uh, was a job that he always wanted. Uh, I actually read a book on, uh, it was a biography on Jose Mourinho once, in which when he was at Chelsea uh, and... He used to go to my, he'd go into the ground earlier and on his own, uh, and he'd stand in the stadium while it was completely empty and just look around. Uh, and it, it was a job that he always wanted. Now, uh, for whatever reason, he didn't go out and uh, go after him when uh, Alex Ferguson retired. But I think he took the job when Louis Van Gaal uh, left again on the basis 
they hadn't won the league for a number of years and they were sort of on the decline. And I think, I, I think he took the job at the wrong time for me. You, you, you would obviously look at it and think, well, the only way here is up. It, it didn't prove to be the case. But Manchester United, off the pitch at the moment, are a completely different entity to what they were 10 years ago. For me, and again, this will, this is not sort of a in defence of Jose Mourinho, but they haven't got a football mind at that club at the moment. They've got everything. Exactly. It, yeah, everything is aimed at marketing. Ed Woodward is not a football-minded chief executive or executive. And for me, he's very much... He's got to take some responsibility uh, for the last 18 months as well. Because every single player... or Well, not, not 18 months, ever since he took over the club. Every single player that has been bought, he's had an input in. And I believe they're buying players to sell shirts, which is very much against the Jose Mourinho philosophy. He buys players to do jobs on the football pitch. It doesn't matter how pro- high profile they are. That's why I brought Matic. Uh, he buy, um, if you look right back through the last six years, Di Maria, he weren't a Louis van Gaal player. There was absolutely no way he was fitting into a Louis van Gaal system. Uh, but but sold shirts from Ed Woodward and Woodward was happy. What, sorry? I'm saying Di Maria yeah. players like Di Maria and Falcao, yeah. they, were, they sold shirts exactly. and then they just sold shirts. Yeah, uh, I'm not convinced uh, Romelu Lukaku is a Jose Mourinho signer, and I'm not convinced Paul Pogba was. Yeah, same, same. I feel the same as well because yeah, I feel Lukaku was like because of the highly how highly he speaks of Lukaku. I think Lukaku was his signing. He, I don't know. Yeah, I think very much so. It was sort of there was no one else available. Yeah, maybe that too. Yeah, I mean, I, the only two strikers he was getting linked with were it was Emma Morata. Oh God! Thank God we didn't. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think at the moment, uh, I think once going back to that summer when they bought them, I think I think it was once Lewandowski. Uh, it was noted that he wasn't going to leave Bayern Munich. I think Correct. it was very much right. Well, we we can buy we can buy Morata, who's not really Premiership proven, or we can buy Lukaku, who scored goals for Everton. Uh, who scored 20 plus goals for Everton for the last three seasons before that. So I think they looked at it from a football scenario and just thought, well, this guy shouldn't take much adapting to the Premier League. Let's just get him. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I'd, again, I'm not, I think the three seasons stigma. I think it's I mean, very harsh on him. Yeah, it is. I mean, but it's a thing with European coaches as well at the moment. Uh, Pep Guardiola only had three seasons at Barcelona. And then only have three seasons of Bayern Munich. And I, I wouldn't surprise me if you only see him have three seasons of Manchester City. If Liverpool win the league, I don't see, see Pep Guardiola remaining here again. If, what, yeah, Manchester? I was about to say Because, uh, yeah, even if you, if you look at uh, Guardiola, it's like a three season thing. Yeah. You can, we can do a whole whole new, a whole different podcast on Guardiola. But, yeah. yeah. At least stuff, he, he's also there. In a club for three seasons, and he's he's been back. You know that in modern day, it's like it's Guardiola. You got to back him with money. Yeah. So I, I money get... backed by. As, as Chris yeah. said, I guess Shankar that every manager in modern football has to be backed with money. Otherwise, don't expect anything in returns. Yeah. 
because it's it's all about money. Football nowadays, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 years back and nowadays, if you compare the football that's happening, football business, as a business, I'm saying, now it's more of business than football, while I guess 20 years back, it was more of football than business, you know? It, yeah. No, I mean, so, yeah, again, obviously, I think the, the, the money gets highlighted a lot more now. But football... For, Football has always been about money. Go back to the nineties. Alex Ferguson broke the transfer record with Ferdinand, Roy Keane. Uh, just to say, to I mean, Rooney. Black, yeah, I mean, he broke the transfer record a number of times. Actually, he had a lot of money to spend uh, while he was at Manchester. I know he brought the kids through and uh, so on and uh, things like that. But he, he did spend money when it was needed. Uh, again, in the eighties, Everson and Liverpool both spent money. John Barnes, I mean, Everton broke the transfer record as well. Nottingham uh, Forest bought Trevor Francis for £1 million. At the time, was the first £1 million player in the 70s. He actually won the European Cup. So, football's all... Uh, Brian Clough left Derby County in the 70s because they, they wouldn't spend money. Uh, so, the, the money factor in football has always been there, especially within Britain. Uh, again, the Italian sides, look at what the Italian sides done in the 80s when AC Milan brought... The Dutch, uh, the Dutch trio, Van Basten, Hullet, Rijkaard, through. They, they, yeah. they, all clubs have always spent money all the time, and I, I always, I always believe it's, it's not the amount of money you spend, it's how you spend it. And if you spend a lot of money well, you will be successful. Yeah, you got to spend it wisely. Yeah, if you spend it wise, spend well, you probably will be successful. That's yes. what I mean. Pep Guardiola spent a lot of money in Manchester City, but he identified the areas and he bought fullbacks. And the fullbacks have been brilliant for them. It, what it, what's yeah. what set them aside from the, from the rest of the top six last season? Uh, yeah, exactly. And Chris, I mean, he could. Uh, sorry, go on. I don't know. I was just it, saying about what you were. I was just going to add to what you said about Guardiola. Like to yeah. spend money, he had the structure behind him, the board of directors. I think he had worked already with them at Barca, so knew they yeah. knew his philosophy already, and they bought into him what he said, like which areas yeah. he wanted to get. And the moment he landed in England, his first order was kick Joe Hart out of my team and yeah. Joe Hart had been a great Premier League player for Manchester City and yeah. just like that he was gone to yeah, support, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And to I support mean, I... that at United if you consider Mourinho and United I don't think there was anyone like this with the structure behind the scenes who would support him or even suggest him or give his opinions to Mourinho or something like that I don't yeah. consider Ed Woodward, a financial guy, how can he say no to a signing like, for example, say Toby Alderweireld, who was, uh, who was, uh, uh, with, uh, who was connected with us to, in a lot of reports, like a centre back like Toby Alderweireld or something like that. If a, yeah. a not football guy telling a manager like Jose Mourinho that I don't fancy him, how? Yeah. Like, it's like Marino telling, Marino telling Ed Woodward that don't go and do some sponsorship in South Africa, but because <laughs> I don't fancy him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I think if you look at Jose Mourinho's career, for me, he's all again. People will always say, "Oh, he spent money, he spent money, he spent money." But up until the Manchester United job, uh, I, I believe he's always spent. He's always spent that money well. I think that his first, uh, his first, uh, the first job he done at Chelsea. I think the plays he bought, Drogba. Uh, I think Robin joined at that time as well. 
Naquele é, yeah, é, yeah, I think Michael Ali, I think he was. It might have been a Ronnie. No, I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it might have been signed by Mourinho, but he was used in the, the correct way by uh, Mourinho. Uh, I mean, but Cavalho, uh, Thiago, Ferreira, Ashley Cole. Again, these were all players that it might have cost money. But, yeah, I mean, the, the manager's still got to get the best out of those players. And he's still got to fit them into a system. He's still got to get them to play to the consistent level that he did. I mean, then when he, when he went, and he'd done that superbly. Uh, I mean, Shevchenko changed the system completely because he, he had to go to, top to accommodate him. He was never going to drop Drogba instead of Shevchenko. Shevchenko was not only on the decline at the time, don't get me wrong. A couple of three seasons previously, he was probably one of the best strikers in the world. But Drogba had been absolutely unbelievable and unplayable by Chelsea for those two seasons. And then, and then, and he was 30 million, Shevchenko, which was a lot of money at the time. So, Bruno had to change the system to get him into the squad. And he had to go two up top, which isolated the number one of one of his midfielders, which, which sort of it, it just didn't go down well. I mean, and then you look at Inter Milan as well. It, again, going back to the point that I made earlier, when uh, he he didn't didn't sign players with high profile. He bought Sully Mantari. I don't know if it's a player, a player that played for Portsmouth. I think he also bought Vieira when he was in his decline. Or did he come a season before? Sure. Uh, uh, Maybe it's Sully I'm not sure. Yeah, he, he, he bought Sully Montari and uh, he bought Ricardo Caresma. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, going back to what we said, is there maybe a player who spoke the same language as, as him? Uh, he brought him into into my uh, into my so again it was just just things like that he spent money well not necessarily on players that were going to do well on the pitch as well he bought players that were going to have uh, an effect in the dressing room yeah so uh, so on the same page as to the board has to appointing manager and bringing in players is one thing but you know if you bring in a new manager with a new system and then you, unless you back the manager, not just financially, but overall, to implement his system in the club and make a stamp on it. Yeah. Um, it's difficult for any manager, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you, yeah, yeah you've got to have the courage to do it. You've got to go in with a plan. And I think that's where Mourinho, like we, we quoted on it before, and both, uh, b- both of you agreed that sort of the guy's planning he knows that when he arrives at a club, he knows what he's doing. He knows what his plan is. He knows what his aim is. He's going in with his style of play and it's either you're with him or you're without him. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, being a, I just wanted to add, a, I think we're coming to the end, right? Uh, being a United fan of the... I, have, I really like the Ole Solskjaer era of this past seven games which we have won already and I'm very happy with it, but... And people are writing off Mourinho that his career is over and he will get no he'll do he won't get a job anywhere else or something like that all those bullshit. Yeah. But uh, what what people fail to see is even at United he did improve us a lot. Like you guys might not watch us every week, but I watch this every minute of our football and then we were nowhere what we are now in 2015-16. Like when he came, he made us a he got us a European trophy good. He got a he made us winners. You know like. In the second season, also, eighty-one points is not 
bad with a squad that was not good enough i was i was uh, yeah. you just spoke about the 81 points i had an argument with a lot of my united friends they were arguing uh-huh. that orinho is bad he's bullshit he's rubbish and all those things i was telling come on 81 point it's just that man city last season was that good miles apart from everybody that you're just looking at a second place team who's got 81 points you can't just deny the fact that he's actually improved the team from where they were a couple of seasons see that's it shankar you you stole the words right out of my mouth and you being an arsenal fan and a neutral fan from united's perspective you see that and it's really depresses me that a lot of united fans fail to see this or they don't want to see this because of their i don't know hate or dislikement of marinho but truth is did a good job two two years two trophies second place finish highest ever since sir alex ferguson left i'm really sad that it didn't did work out for him but what to do what should we do life move on, moves on you know yeah, yeah. and it, I, I, go on, sorry. the current uh, the the modern era you could call it you know the uh, managers are not given the time as well you know we talked about the backing from the board and stuff that it, it's like you appoint a manager the next second you before you know it they're gone you know you need to give the manager some time at least i think at least 3 3 years is like a minimum time you know minimum that's like a minimum yeah. time yeah well the, I- the fourth season like like how klopp is doing at liverpool you know three seasons to set your team make your team and the fourth season you start competing for stuff you know all the glory yeah exactly and you see klopp now uh, has in his starting 11 i think apart from henderson or even if he doesn't start i think only fomino is a player who is not his player who was signed before him and all other 10 players are klopp players so yeah. that's what a manager wants his own signings and then he will succeed with them yeah yeah i um... Absolutely. I mean, I, I do think. I mean, I do think in this job, like I said, I quoted earlier. I believe Edward Wood has got to take some responsibility. Man United as a club, I've got to take responsibility as to where they've, how they've handled everything for, since Alex Ferguson left. Uh, the, the the managerial appointments, the players they signed, the recruitment, everything. Everything's got to be looked at. I mean, for for me, this job. is the one job where he has got some I mean like I said you can see some signings are his own in this job I mean you can't blame them all I mean this is Jose Mourinho he's probably one of the most powerful managers in world football he will get what he wants and he will sign players no one would have come through that door if he didn't want them in so whether 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 it was a signing is probably a different question but I mean but for me this is the one job where Yeah, he, he has got things wrong in this job. Again, yeah, I don't agree. forget I don't I don't think he's been a like for example the whole living in a hotel. Oh man, come on Chris, you yeah. can't take that. No, I, I don't I, I just yeah, the family it's, living in a hotel, hotel, right? It's a suite and it's a suite is like better than most of our houses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, but when you have your family living in London and you're living in Manchester, it's already sort of straight away and you're living there for 3 years you think this is a temporary job in your mind you're not here for the long haul yeah, if your family yeah your family's living in london your daughter your son your wife and you're only seeing them every well you just think straight away a happy home life 
would, it would have contributed to him being a lot more happier at, at his training ground. Um, again, yeah. the Sanchez signing, totally. I, I, this was a, I, I, get, I do believe the Sanchez signing, Jose Marino would have wanted Sanchez. I don't uh, think yes. I think it was a board signing for selling yeah. shirts. But he's not been for what that was the first time I've ever seen a Mourinho sign. He's not been able to fit into the system, which surprised me. It's gone completely wrong. The money that they've put put him at the player has been completely wrong, and it's been a complete mess from start to finish. That signing, and I think that was the beginning of the end. I believe I do believe the club only signed him to stop Manchester City getting him. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah I, do. I think I still believe that they just did so that City won't get him. They signed Fred yeah. so that City won't get him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I mean, it, it happens before. I, I do believe you go back to Chelsea. Uh, they bought, I remember Chelsea buying Shaw Mike Phillips while Jose Mourinho was there and he was on the verge of signing for Arsenal at the time. Yeah. And I do believe at the time, I remember looking at it thinking, I just don't see where this guy's fitting in at all or why they need him. And I, I, I do believe it does happen in football. I do believe it's sort of like, well, if we can't get this guy and we can't fit him in, but we'll just get him anyway. Uh, yeah. Just because we, we can't have the opposition uh, being, being stronger than what they are. Uh, so I, I, I do believe he has contributed some negativity to the Manchester United job. I don't believe he took it at the right time. Don't believe. I don't believe he was assisted in any way by the board, and the way they run the club, uh, and and I do believe a contributing factor as well in the summer is assistant Rui Ferreira leaving the club. Uh, he sort of he, he he cut an isolated figure this season. Jose Mourinho for me didn't really have his sort of the trusted general around Yeah, yeah. Didn't have maybe didn't have any go-to guys. Nothing against Michael Carrick. Uh, it's probably the reason why he didn't want Ryan Giggs to have the job when he when he got the job. Uh, he probably felt that there weren't any familiarity to him. And as you guys know, it doesn't matter in any job in the world if you if you feel comfortable and you feel familiar, you're going to perform better. Yeah. 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 So I do believe. This is the, oh, the, okay. the go on, go on, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the this is the, 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 the he does. This is the one job that has gone wrong for him that he has contributed uh, massively to it going wrong. Like I said, I do I don't believe the club themselves. I believe the club themselves have contributed massively and done not done nothing to help this go the way it could have gone. Uh, but going back. Uh, sorry, going. I know we were going off topic. I'm going off topic there, but going back to what the original point was, uh, he, he will work again. This guy's not going to retire. He's too good to retire. He's got too much of an ego to retire as well. Yeah. 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 So with that said, um, and before we end the show and wish uh, Mourinho a happy birthday and all the best for his career, uh, I'd like to put a few questions to you guys. So these yeah. are just one answers. So if you if you answer the first one, um, if if you answer the first one according to what I think you might answer, then I might ask the next one. If you go for a different opinion, then probably I might not ask the second one. Right? <laughs> yeah, go on. Oh, uh, 
we are playing batters na acha bhi okay so first first one this to both of you so uh, both of you can answer it's just a one word answer all right yeah okay who would you pick from the following as a manager for your club all right so for chris it's everton you yeah because he's an everton player and for prashant it's um, united all right yeah so suppose both your club needs a manager first option pep guardiola second option jurgen klopp third option jose mourinho oh man <laughs> <laughs> oh Who, who's uh, first? Sorry. Gone. Yeah, Chris gone. You want me to go first? Yeah. Um, one word. <laughs> Pep Guardiola. Okay, and for shot. Jose Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that I don't like them, but I still feel that if he was supported, he would have done a better job, and I. This is being a hypothetical question and a hypothetical answer, Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No. Okay, so since it's different, I'll go for the second. Uh, different answers. I'll go for the second question as well. Yeah. So now, consider you are like a um a mid-table club. I mean, mid-table in the sense I'm saying maybe you are fifteenth and your club needs a manager who can. Okay, I am Crystal Palace. Then. Yeah. <laughs> just whatever club that is yeah now yeah. just imagine consider you're one of them mm-hmm. now who would you go for right guardiola mourinho or klopp uh well if i go if i fit is to choose to me i would go for neither of them because being a mid table club i wouldn't be able to invest heavily as they would require uh i yeah, think that's the, that's yeah. the question because i think that <laughs> then the best option would that, be klopp because then both guardiola and mourinho require a lot of money and klopp can work with little money and give no results uh, like okay. keep keep it in the if i am a mid table club i would want to reach like 8 9 10 that would be my highest priority so i think i would be klopp then i would get klopp yeah okay and chris for you uh, yeah i would take klopp uh, klopp too because uh, he's shown what he can do with a good mid table club hasn't he yeah <laughs> <laughs> That was a good banter there. Eh? I like that. <laughs> Chris, man, I love you. Chris. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, because that 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 was the whole point of asking that second one because you know that Guardiola and Mourinho requires that funding and the backing um, from the board. Klopp Klopp does the, require the backing of the board, but I think he can he's one guy who can work with um players or what he has and then build on from there. Yeah. He very much comes in with his one what is one uh, style of play. Uh, and uh he gets the best out of limited players, players with limited ability, the James Milners, the Jordan Hendersons of this world. And that's no disrespect to those players, but they are players with limited ability. Uh, yeah. and uh, he, he gets the best out of them. And if you're a mid table club, which Liverpool were when he took over <laughs> All jokes aside, they, were, uh, they, they finished. They, they finished yeah, seventh, didn't they? Yeah, finished. Yeah, seventh. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The club. I mean, Liverpool, massive club, one of the mass, the biggest clubs in the world. Um, yeah. So the, the the history that'll never go away. But I mean, you base you base a, a mid-table club based on the position. 
and and they, they, they yeah they weren't looking above them when he took over. They were certainly looking over the shoulders. Um, so yeah, in that situation, Jurgen Klopp would be, I, I believe, would be the uh, the more appropriate manager. Okay. Yeah. All right. So with that answer, we might have to end the show for yeah. tonight. Can, uh, can I just say one more? F- can I just say one more thing, guys, before we go? Again, no problem. Uh, just going back to Jose Mourinho. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, going back to your point before, where you're saying uh, we were sort of like, oh, well, will he manage again, etc. I mean, his next job uh, for me, I, I would love to see him take over an under a team, an underdog team, not a high-profile club. Well, it, well, again, it's always going to be a club of high profile. He's not, he's never going to go to a relegation band or a little club. He's, he's Jose Mourinho, but to see him uh, take over a club who's not sort of a favourite to win anything, such as Porto, where like 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 the Porto situation, uh, and see him, see how he done then. That that I, I would love to see that because I, I actually do feel he would get. <laughs> I was. Actually, I actually had that written as my third question. I actually missed it out. Oh, right. I missed it. <laughs> I, I, this is what I've written down now. Where would you see Jose Mourinho going next? Which club? Uh, I mean, which club in the sense like a mid-table, like your, your answer that you said? Or do you see him um, doing some punditry or do you see him doing the national job? That's what I have written down. I don't know how I missed it, but anyway, yeah. go ahead. We'll finish off with that one. Okay, do you want me to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my head's actually telling me something different to what I actually want 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 him to do. Like I said, I, I would love to see him take over a club who's sort of like sort of saying not a middle not a middle of the table club but someone who's on the verge of say or just outside say a top three or a top four say like an AC Milan or uh, or or like I say he's been recently linked with the Benfica job hasn't he uh, that, that would have been that would have been an interesting scenario I do actually believe uh, that he's going to end up back at Real Madrid in the summer given how poor this season's going I do actually believe he will end up back at that I think Sergio Ramos will leave. I think or Casillas has already gone. I think, and I think they need to have a big clear out. So I do actually think he will end up at Real Madrid in the summer. But I would like to see him go to sort of uh, yeah. Again, I know these managers will never leave, but I'll just give these clubs as an example of this. See him like, like a Benfica or an Atletico Madrid or uh, an AC Milan. Uh, clubs that are uh, uh, massive clubs, but they, they've not had success for a while. Some somewhere where he has to go in and actually rebuild the club. Okay. Yeah. And Prashant, your reply. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think I. They, well, there's a big, big chance that he goes to Real Madrid next season. But will he? Because Chris, you know, that club needs a lot and lot of rebuilding. Every one of its senior players is in on the wrong side of thirty. Modric is yeah. gone. Ramos is over. Marcelo will be over in a couple of years. And then strikers, Benzema is gone. No wingers. Only Bale is there, I think. But Bale, is, Bale will also be 30 next season. Yeah. So, I don't know if he will join Real Madrid. I think he might join PSG, you know. Because if Tuchel doesn't win the Champions League, he has everything in his place to succeed at PSG. A rubbish yeah. league. 
a rubbish league, lot loads of money, star players who will and more money to spend. So he might win them the Champions League like he like he did it with Inter. Yeah, I, 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 it's a good shout. If it was eighteen months ago, or I mean, even even in the summer, just gone where Man United finished second. They, they had, like you said before, they had quite a, a, a good season. I, I would have said PSG one hundred percent. I think given everything that's happened in the last six months, I think he might have missed that boat. The PSG. Uh, I tell you, Joe. I, I just going back to it there. A scenario I would love to see, and this would be really interesting, if uh, you know Santo, uh, the Wolves manager, went on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. And we all know, uh, we all know who uh, Jose Mourinho's agent is, George Mendes, who has a massive influence at Wolves, uh, and given the the financial power they've got these days, imagine Jose Mourinho at Wolves. I very much wow. doubt it, but uh, but that would wow. be. Uh, <laughs> That would be that. That would be the sort of challenge I would love to see him at. Somewhere where he's got yeah, the fan, that... the club sort of looking up rather than down. That would. Yeah, that'll that, be that... a good. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see that as well. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right then. Um. Thanks. That's the special episode on uh, the special one, Mr. Jose Mourinho. Um. So once again. All of us here at Natmega Sister, we wish him a very happy birthday and a very successful career. Whatever he chooses um, next, I don't know what it is, but whatever he chooses next, wish him all the best. So thank you, Chris, and thank you, Prashant, for being on our show. We actually planned this for 45 minutes, and uh, it's gone to double that time anyway. But it's been interesting. Yeah, man. Very well. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem. It's been a pleasure. Wonderful. Yeah. See ya, and thank you for listening, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.